0: Would you turn with me, please, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the benefit of our visitors, one of the key words and one of the major key words in the book of 1 Corinthians, or concepts, or or the big thought, is that of faithfulness, and um, Paul speaks to the church at Corinth, which was a massive city, and and, uh, it it was a city where people came and went similar to here, and um, it was a city filled with all kinds of stuff as big cities have, and um, Paul speaks into the life of this church, and he calls them a, a holy people. And um, when you read the book of 1 Corinthians, when you look at what goes on in the church at Corinth, they were everything but a holy people, uh, and similar to us, uh, when you see what goes on and Paul starts off and he lays a foundation for them. And he tells them what they are in Christ Jesus and how Christ Jesus is committed to their journey to become a holy people. And as a result, he starts the book of 1 Corinthians. And it's just right that he speaks about grace. Because, my friends, grace is the very foundation upon which We can be called a holy people because holiness is not something that you and I attain to. It is what God does in our lives, and we walk it out. And that's probably a good place just to say amen if you believe with me on that. Yes. And so we see here that Paul speaks very definitely into the life of this congregation And tells them what God is making them into and how He is making them into it. And um, so this morning, um, I'm going to speak about what is so amazing about grace. What is so amazing about grace? Um, See how many of these common phrases we hear so often and see if you can complete it as I read it. First one. If it sounds too good to be true, God. We make money the old-fashioned way. We, we earn it. There is no such thing as a free, Lunge. There is no gain without pain. God helps those who. And then we have someone who writes a beautiful hymn and he says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. My friends, when we talk about the amazing grace, what is so amazing about grace? My friends, it is the exact opposite of The worldly phrases that we use, the worldly philosophies that we put into place. It is directly opposed. That's why as Christians, when we get saved, we get saved, but we struggle with the concept of grace. Because we are taught from a young age that God helps those who help themselves. And my friends, it's just not true. God helps those who can't help themselves. And that offends our pride. And people have to get beyond that to actually walk into salvation where Jesus forgives our sins, where he cleanses us from all of our wrongdoings. He takes away our shame and he releases us from our guilt. How does he do it? Do we do more good works? Do we try and step up to this moral code that was set before us? Do do we always have to strive and never achieve? Is Is that what it's about? God says, no, grace is directly opposite. What I give you, you can never deserve. What you receive, you can never pay for. What you achieve, you would never have been able to achieve it by yourself. That is grace, and that is why it is such a difficult thought for people to embrace, because our pride says, no, there is no gain without pain. Pride says, we make money the old-fashioned way we earn it. And so some who do not understand grace have a major problem with receiving something from God and even something from someone else because it is pride within our hearts. And Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he tries to break that mindset within them because even as Christians, when we receive that free gift, even though we don't understand grace that well, but we understand something of it, that God is so in love with us that he looked at us and he said, there is no ways that they could satisfy my holiness and my justice. And so as a result, because of my great love for them, I'm sending Jesus into their lives. And Jesus will give them the gift that they did not earn. As a matter of fact, Jesus... Will satisfy my justice, and Jesus will satisfy my holiness by taking their sins upon himself. And he was crucified exactly for that. And so that is so important for us to understand when we look at the topic what is amazing or so amazing? about grace. You've also seen always with our children, um, we give them a reward system, don't we? And we say to our children, um, if you do this, then we will reward you with that. And although it builds character and responsibility, the problem with that is that they grow up and they think that God will only reward them if they do that. And sometimes that affects the process of salvation within their lives. My friends, God is not a God like that where he says, if you you do this, then I'm going to reward you with salvation. What we do need to do is to believe that he sent Jesus and that Jesus died for us on the cross. But that's not a works That's not something you earn. It's something you believe. And the Bible says even if you you have faith as small as a little mustard seed, these mountains will be removed. These mountains of sin will be removed. My friends, even if you just believe a little bit of the truth, salvation can come into our hearts, transform us. I remember growing up as a little boy, and um, in the formative years, I uh, uh, my parents always they were just outstanding parents, amazing parents. But my father wasn't a Christian, but my mother was. She got saved when she was nine. She received God's gift of grace into her life, and so she always read Bible stories to us. And so we grew up. And I always had a sense of God's presence around me. I don't, I can't remember of of a day that uh, that I never had a sense of God's presence with me. I, I, I just grew up very, very fortunately. But I remember at the age of about nine, going to a youth camp, and at that youth camp, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And I can't even remember the message that was preached to me. Can't remember the words. My friends, I must have had A little grain of faith that came through all of those things. And that little grain of faith just grabbed a hold of my heart. And God transformed me. My friends, it doesn't take a whole lot of belief to receive this gift of grace, which is Jesus. Just when you hear a little bit of the story of what Jesus did for us, grace comes in and God saves us. It doesn't mean if you have more faith that you're going to be more saved. Amen? When God saves us, my friends, He really saves us. Wow. Now, it may take a process. I understand that. I mean, we've had people within our church, and, and Graham said to me, Pete, you can share my story over and over and over again. And 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 Graham Hamilton within our church, um, him and his wife came to the church, and and. Uh, She was a believer, but he wasn't. And he came because of the children. And over a process, I think it was about a year and a half, Graham came to this church. And he just, he started to love the community of friends. And people reached out to him. They were so kind to him. And he was so kind to them. And in the process, one day, Graham sat just about four or five rows from the back on the right-hand side. And... God came and revealed himself through the preaching of God's word in a very clear way. And in that moment, there was enough faith within his heart to say, God, I receive you. (laughs) It was nothing that Graham did. Graham didn't have to give more money to the church. He didn't have to feed the poor more. That's works, because those works... Cannot appease a holy God because how many works are you going to have to do to appease a holy God? You can't. Grace says that we receive this gift, and when we receive this gift, there is a miracle that takes place that brings salvation to the person. And so, my friends. That's the beginning of God's grace. And Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And he says, you have received God's grace. You are my holy people. And now he's giving them truth to shape them and to form them. But they belong to him. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 1 to 9, and this is what the Scripture says. If you are visiting here, you will hear God speak to you through the Bible this morning. So so just listen as we read, because, because God wants to just reveal himself to you, because he loves you, because it's his gift to you. He loves to give gifts to the world. And this is what the scripture says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sothenus to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their Lord and ours, and here's the word, grace and peace to you from God. My friends, there's a divine order here. There is never any peace if there isn't grace first. Grace is God's gift to you, and out of that, peace comes. Isn't that wonderful? Out of the gift of grace, peace comes. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you. Why? Because you are such a wonderful people? No, they weren't a very, very wonderful people. They were sinful at times. Why does he give thanks to God for them? Because they are God's grace gift. (laughs) I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you. In Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech, with all kinds of knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony among Christ for you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He'll also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Someone said, and defined grace this way, they said, grace is anything that I need, but don't deserve, and that I could never repay. But God gives to me anyway. Grace is the faith that God puts on when he looks at my failures, my faults, and my flaws and says, I love you and embraces you. That's grace. Grace is God's undeserved kindness. And that's why one of the greatest expresses of grace that we can give to the world that we live in, is kindness. Christians are known, and if we not, should be known, through our kindness. Paul says in the book of Romans, he says, it is the goodness and the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So what is so amazing about grace? My friends, grace is amazing because grace produces a heart of thankfulness within us. I remember my my Old Testament uh, teacher at Bible College He said that thankfulness lives next to godliness. And um, he was huge on us being thankful. And, uh, And I think that the outflow of grace is a thankful heart. When we're thankful, my friends, it says that we've received something that we have not deserved. And that's the salvation that we live in. Um, David, after he had fallen into gross sin, he committed um, adultery with Bathsheba, and um, he set up a situation where her husband would be murdered and so David became a murderer and then he covered up his sin and a prophet came to him and said, this is what you're doing and he repented. And he came to God and he said, God, would you restore the joy of my salvation? Why should David be forgiven for what he had done? An adulterer, a murderer and a cover up. He um, he abused his authority with this woman. Why should he be forgiven? Simply because God is a God of grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. You're right, David should never have been forgiven. But you see, that's not how God operates. God's love is shown to us through the grace gift that he's given. So a, a, a sign. That God's grace is working within us mightily is through a thankful heart. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says this. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Church, let's overflow with thankfulness. Because when our hearts overflow with thankfulness, there will always be joy that we can share. When we stop being thankful, when we take things for granted, there will be an absence of joy within our lives. There's been times in my walk with God where I lack joy for all kinds of reasons. And when I started to fall back, you see, that's the only way to receive God's grace and to walk in it again as a Christian when we've actually not appreciated is to fall back into grace because grace is a product of what happened at the cross. It's not something that you earn in the future. It's something that's already been earned for you by Jesus. And so if you are low on appreciation of grace what you do is you fall back onto the cross. The cross that we have here, I should put it here and say that if you low on grace today, fall back upon the cross because there you'll find grace again. And it's not like you lose your grace, but we lose an appreciation for grace. Amen? We need to lean back and receive God's grace. And when that happens, my friends, we're again thankful for that incredible gift. And out of that, joy comes. And so what is amazing about grace? We become thankful again. To be around people who are thankful is is, um, contagious. But people who always complain, we don't want to be around people like that. You don't want to be around me when I'm complaining, oh man. You want to be around people who are thankful. It's the very nature of grace. The most beautiful scripture of grace that I could find, and there are many, is found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, and I think you need to write that one down as a special scripture for you this week. And Paul writing to the church at Galatians says, but when the set time or when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sonship or daughtership. Because you are his sons or daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, or our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has also made you an heir. That's grace, that's where you find grace. You're not a slave to the law. You're not a slave to do good works. You're not a slave to earn your favor, my friends. It's given to you. And what is amazing about grace, it changes our hearts from being inward, self-absorbed, to being outward and thankful for what we have received. My friends, what is so amazing about grace? Grace is amazing because grace Enlarges us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 5 to 7 says, For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. My friends, grace is. Makes us bigger. Grace enables us to love more and to love more people. My friends, grace even teaches us to love ourselves as God would want us to. Some of us have such a poor image of ourselves that we always try to please people. One of my weaknesses is that I love to please people. And sometimes it doesn't come out of a holy heart. It's because I'm broken and we are broken. So we try and please people. What grace does is that grace comes. Grace enlarges our hearts so that we can accept God's grace to change us. And we're no longer who we are, as we saw in Galatians chapter 4. We are now sons and daughters of God. And he's made us heirs of everything that he has. He enlarges us, my friends, to love ourselves as we should, to love others as God wants us to, and to love him. You may say, hey, I've become a Christian, but I actually really don't love God. Well, why don't you fall back onto his grace, that unmerited favor that is given to you, that which you haven't earned, fall back onto it, that gift that he's given to you. He'll enlarge your life and you will start to serve him not because you 're afraid of him, not because you 've been taught you 've got to do this, but because you love him and this is probably kind of like a personal testimony but and maybe um, you know it 's dangerous these days to share stories because we're, we're we're on the internet and and all of that but but I'll make myself vulnerable that The thing that I'm learning is that as my children grow up, they're respectfully 25, and Ryan's turning 28. And I've had the privilege of spending time with Ryan in New Zealand, and this past week i was at a pastor's meeting in London, and Chris works there, and hadn't seen him for seven months, and so we could get together as a father and a son. And you know what? As they grow older... They don't have a relationship with you for what they can get out of you. Amen? <laughs> if it hasn't happened to you yet, it will, just be patient. And it's just the most wonderful thing that, we're, that I'm experiencing is for my sons, they actually want us to be with them. It's not a drag they actually message you and say, Dad, um, if you get out of this meeting early enough, why don't you come and hang with me and my friends? Now, you know, there was a time when they didn't, they didn't want to expose us to their friends. Now, you know, uh, we went to play pool. How's that? The one afternoon uh, just before I flew back, um, my friend, my son flew to Singapore. He's, he's got a four-week um, training conference there as a chiropractor. He says, "Dad, come and play pool with us." And so, uh, you know, for the afternoon, I was in a pool hall. I've never been in a pool hall. And I said, hey, "Okay, I'll go." Now you, uh, now, Dad, stay. And that was probably for dinner, so I can pay for dinner. <laughs> but, but we, it is, it is such a pleasure to be with your sons. And it's not what they could get out of it, but it's because of who they are and who we are. They're Wallace's. My friends, grace gives you the realization that you are God's children. You are his heirs. What is his is yours. I don't know whether we fully understand that. But we are heirs according to the promise. It's ours. And as we start to understand some of this, we want to be with God because of who He is. Not because you've got to have your quiet time, you've got to pay your tithes, you've got to be at small group, you've got to come to prayers. No, it is we do all of those things because we share In his heirship. And out of that, there is a heart of obedience. Because we appreciate what he's done for us. It is just so, so different. And I think I'm going to stop with the two points this morning. Because when you look at what is so amazing about grace you realize that grace, firstly, produces something of a heart of thankfulness within us because of this wonderful gift that you hadn't earned. Secondly, grace enlarges us, not only our capacity, but also our capacity to receive the good things that God as for us, would you stand with me, please? I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. And you know, the great privilege that I have when I prepare messages is when I go to God's word and I wrestle through it, it is amazing how the Holy Spirit comes And even in my own heart, He frees me up from stuff that just when I hadn't looked all day, when I was careless, just started to crowd my heart. Some shadows, some spider webs. And suddenly when we just take it and we remove it, we have a fresh appreciation for God's grace. I'm going to pray that for you today because if I find myself in it sometimes... You must find yourself in it as well. I'm going to pray for those spider webs. To be taken away from your hearts. Those shadows that have formed around your hearts. Because of the experiences that you have. That God's light. Would come in this morning. As we've preached. God's word. And that he would free you into this place. Of worshipping him. And serving him. Because of who he is. And what he has done for us on the cross. Can I pray for us before we sing, please? Father, we want to thank you for this amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Would you come and would you just tear away those spider webs that are around our hearts? That causes us to stick to those things just which is not true. Those phrases that we've heard, those philosophies that cause our heart to shrink instead of to enlarge. Would you just deal with that? those shadows that's formed around our hearts because of experiences, disappointments, hurts, discouragement. Would you come by your Holy Spirit and would you just minister to us in this way?